0: Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. and Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who I'm waiting for him to say to me, quote, Forgive me if I tell a lie. Sometimes I come on cold, but don't believe it. I will love you <laughs> till the day I die. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate.
1: la Ben. I, mean, I feel it in my heart, just even if I don't say it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I appreciate that Alright, for this episode we have not one but two special guests The first, you might remember him from our episodes on In Excess's Kick Eddie Rabbit's Horizon, also known as the Drunk Wayne episode Classic, <laughs> classic episode And our episode about the self-titled Robbie Robertson album He's the host of the Hustle podcast Here's John Lamero.
2: Hey everybody, good to be back and to talk about my favorite album of all time, too. Oh! There
0: we go. Yes, Laying sir. the gauntlet down already. That's right. All right. Last but not least, we have a newbie to the podcast, according to her LinkedIn profile. Yeah, I, I went and LinkedIn stalked you. Um, she's a comedy <laughs> writer, TV and digital media producer. Stand-up comedian, development consultant. I'm sure she'll explain all this to us. I'm hoping she brings some funny to the episode because John is so unfunny. Uh, <laughs> please welcome to the podcast, Courtney Cronin-Dold.
3: Aw, oh, well, thank you. So, thank you. So So welcome. All right. We're off to a hilarious start. Thank you, Ben.
0: <laughs> so I, I texted John after your last email to us, Courtney. I said, John, should I be worried about Courtney's email? You said, hey, <laughs> I might be hammered for this episode because I'm hanging with family. And oh, by the way, I'm Irish. So, <laughs> so sh- Half. Half Irish. Okay. Half, so- but
3: definitely 100% today. Okay. Um, no, we just have family. I'm drinking sparkling water now, but I've had a few wines.
0: Okay. So you're trying, but... trying to come down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. But
3: who knows? I might say something awful. But in a loving way.
0: We're all for it. That's, that's, that's why we do the scoring is so that the gloves can come on and um, we beat each other up a little bit. Or, or in the case of Eddie Rabbit's Horizon, we beat up the <laughs> musician that we're talking about. Deservedly <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he had that, it coming. He, he did have it coming. All right. So premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question. Uh, let's start with Wayne. What t-shirt are you wearing?
1: A couple of years ago, a guy that works for me asked for a couple extra weeks off to go to New Zealand to visit his family. And I made that happen, and he brought me back a T-shirt.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. New Zealand. I have not been down under.
2: Neither have I. Well, uh, I'll just leave that alone. I was. I,
0: it was a <laughs> softball, man. I'm surprised Courtney didn't there. pounce all I over that. I threw it
3: out there. Nobody pounced. You know what? My husband works for a hair removal company (laughs) in Australia, and they have a manscaping cream, and they did a a, a company, like, who can come up with the name for the manscaping cream, and he won the contest. What's the name? And the name of the manscaping cream? Down Under. (laughs) Nice. Nice.
0: Excellent. Nice. All right. Yep. All right, John. How about you? What T-shirt are you wearing?
2: Well, I stewed over this because I was going to wear my crowded house T-shirt, of course. But I think, if I remember correctly, I wore that on one of the other episodes that I was on. So what? You're not Wayne? I know, but I got plenty of other shirts to go through. I know.
0: Wayne's got Wayne's got this whole weirdo mandate where he's like, <laughs> I'm not going to wear the same T-shirt, and
2: yeah.
1: It's getting harder and harder, but... I thought I'd spread
2: it around. So anyway, yeah, just last night, we recently had a member of a band called the Cruzados that I love, and uh, they were big back in the 80s. And the guy I had on mailed me a Cruzados t-shirt. It's one of those shirts that you guys might be able to relate. I'm going to have to lose a little bit of weight before I can wear it proudly in front of other people. But I figured for you, chuckleheads, <laughs> no big deal. I'll just wear it on the podcast. So I'm wearing my new Cruzados t-shirt.
0: It's all good. We've worn some really small t-shirts on these episodes. Yeah. So it's it's fun. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. How, how about you, Courtney? What t-shirt are you wearing?
3: Well, um, because it was a fat, sloppy, drunk kind of day, I did have my Vince Neal shirt on. Okay. Um, <laughs> And I love it because it has built-in spanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I yes. really was wearing, I actually do love my Vince Neal shirt, uh, because my friend Marty does, um, backline for him and, um, he's works for him. And, and last show I went to, he gave me one because apparently nobody wanted to buy one. Mm. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, he gave me one. <clears throat> and actually, it's, it's form fitting and it's flattering. So I wear it all the time, but it's, Late here, and everybody's in bed. So now I'm in my pajamas. So I'm literally in my bed doing this. And when okay. we're done, I have to shut this because my husband will be sleeping next to us in a few <laughs> minutes.
0: Does he snore? <laughs> Are we gonna? Ha- am, I, am I gonna have to uh, add it? No, but he
3: has night. He has night terrors <laughs> in, <laughs> German. Ooh, so, in German.
0: Ooh, in
3: German. hmm huh. In German. So it's oh. gonna be really entertaining if that happens.
2: Hey Courtney, does the back of your shirt have Vince's tour dates on it, or is it just a bunch of gibberish?
3: It just says, we're not sure.
2: Yeah. Um, Because isn't it that he doesn't really sing his songs anymore live because he's just too out of it?
3: Well, when we did the Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park screening at the Rockin' Pod. fun. Like, I, I didn't write, like, I wrote a lot of jokes for it, but just during it, I realized, oh my god, the Kiss concert, they cut it off in the middle and and they only play two songs, and I was like, "This is so boring. They only play two songs. What is this, a Vince Neil concert? Why is it so short?"
2: <laughs> nice.
0: Uh, so good one. Poor right poor, on. poor Vince. All right.
3: I know. I'm I still I'm love
0: wearing. Him. I'm wearing a shirt that I've worn before. This is my my Shins t shirt.
3: That's cool. Yeah.
0: I have no idea what how that ties into crowded house or whatever we're going to talk about, but.
3: Similar. I'd say people like Cradhouse would dig the shins. Probably. That's true. Good one. Yeah.
0: I, I thought about wearing one of my Wilco t shirts just to troll John. That's, that's super cool. That's that's become like our back and forth anytime that I post anything about Wilco, you have to um give me some shade. I I am proud of one of our podcast listeners who came to my rescue. Oh uh, when man! You tro- when you trolled me today, and you know, you, and he was like, "I wish people would just shut up about you know if they don't like stuff." And I, I did. I did have to say, That's "Well, his
1: first day on the internet."
2: Uh, yeah. Thank you, Wayne. <laughs> Two things. Tim, Number one, Tim that Finn was Derek loves Junk- Wilco. Oh, go- Sorry. Go ahead. Tim Finn loves Wilco.
3: Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Okay,
2: I could see that. So, two things. Number one, the listener was Derek Johnson, who's a sweetheart. He's one of my listeners, too. But I'm sorry if I offended you, Derek, but one of the fun things about having music friends on the internet is debating what music you like and don't like and why and all that kind of stuff. And so, you and I share a, you know, it's a kind of a running inside joke that you yeah, love them awesome and I nice. don't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And, and that's fine yeah you post anything about Jethro toll I'm gonna jab you back so that's fine
1: that's fine I can yeah. I can appreciate it. I it. winning Jethro toll <laughs>
0: okay, so yeah don't don't bring that up all right so so John you did bring up I'm gonna bring up traveling Wilburys. what's what's your mm. beef with our traveling Wilburys episode?
2: So, I'm listening to the episode this weekend while I'm pulling weeds in my lawn, which feels appropriate for some reason. But I, um, I um first of all, Heading for the Light is the best song on the album. And you guys didn't quite give it enough love. I don't think it even made the top five. And then Congratulations is the most boring, lame dirge of a crapola song. And you guys are like, I really love this song. And it's almost like you just can't. Tell everybody that Dylan had a bad moment or something. Anyway, I just was... uh, Your show, that's the magic and the provocativeness of your show and of the old Rock Solid show before Pat started copying my podcast. But before that, (laughs) when it was just a topic and you would, you know, songs about the rain or whatever, yours, the listener is like, I want to you're screaming into the phone. No, my pick would be this. My ranking would be this. So when you guys do something so lame as to not give, uh, you know, headed for the light enough love and giving congratulations too much love. I just was screaming at you two. Whatever.
0: I'm, I got broad shoulders. Okay.
2: I'll take it. I'll ta- I'll take it.
3: it I don't think I've ever heard anyone so passionate about the traveling Wilburys album. That's before. true.
2: That's true. I mean, it's probably just a Wayne and, thing. It just gets...
3: <laughs>
2: under so my Courtney skin not a fan of
0: traveling Wilburys?
3: No, oh, of course I'm a fan. I love bands where most of the people are dead, but... I... Um, <laughs> <laughs> And then you know what? I just realized that I'm like Bob Dylan's not dead, but he's the he seems like well the
1: most since, uh, dead, yeah, the most yeah. likely to have died, first. Yeah.
3: most likely to be dead. Yeah. Um, no, I like it. It's really fun, and, and of course, I love each individually each of the artists. How do you not yeah. love something by each of them? It's kind of cool. Yeah. It's kind of like going to this, you know, the soda fountain and getting a graveyard. And everybody's mostly dead. <laughs> <Yeah. Sorry. laughs>
2: I love a good grave. You called them graveyards. That's funny because we called them suicide. Yeah, it was suicide.
3: Yeah, or suicides. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's funny. <laughs> All right. So, so Courtney, um, um, what what are you? I heard on that these
2: days. What was it's that? Water. It, oh, okay. It's water. Oh, it it It's water. It's water. Polar water. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so Courtney, tell me about some projects you're working on right now. This is this is your time to promote yourself.
3: Let's see. My stuff's kind of boring because I do stuff that doesn't really air a lot of the time. <laughs> it's like development stuff where you're creating shows and doing ideas yeah. and building things and editing things. And I, I do a lot of stuff that no one really cares about. but um, But I do write a lot of comedy. I just wrote a bunch of comedy for a show we did in Nashville called Punchlines and Backlines where we have professional stand-up comedians do a show and then we have professional musicians like rocker real rockers do comedy for the first time so Mm. we thought it'd be fun to have um jeremy asbrock Ryan spencer cook and um philip Schaus from the ace band gene simmons band also known as the talisman also the rock and roll residency um hair of the dog that ryan's in here that they're in so many great bands but we had them each of them do a stand-up set that um, I worked with them, like, on their point of view and stuff and tried to figure out what okay. their voice was going to be. That's kind of what I do professionally. And then we got the jokes and we all wrote together and then the guys got involved and we just, I feel like we really perfected these nice sets for each of them. Like, in their own voice that just, they each did really well. They got huge laughs and they got a standing ovation. <laughs> They like killed Don's like Oh my god I gotta follow this This is hard <laughs> It was with Don Jameson And um, From that metal show And Craig Gass From Howard Stern Like amazingly Very strong You know National headliners yes. They were the headliners And even they were like Jesus That was good It's the best First timers I've ever seen And we were all like Proud of You know Everyone working together And it just felt good it Just felt great to see that To see them succeed Like so far beyond mm-hmm. You know We knew they'd be great but but they killed and got that's a standing great. ovation. Yeah, it was so fun. So so I do fun stuff like that. That's very
0: cool. So so John, I remember yeah. when we had Murray on. You know, mm-hmm. I think one of the topics that we that we chatted about was how comedians and musicians they're really kind of closely. Do I say intertwined? We are. Is it is it because you're you're on stage all the time and it's just. You kind of have to know how to banter a little bit.
3: It, it's two things. What Murray's a really good friend of mine. I've been friends with Murray for over twenty years. We've worked together on shows. We worked together on Battle Bots. I actually got him a job oh, cool. on that. And um and we and we write together well. And we're both big music nerds. But we've always been friends. He's but the I one who whatever. recommended
2: you for this, by the way, Courtney. Yeah. Oh,
3: Murray. So did? if you hate
2: this, blame Murray. It's, it's Murray's fault. <laughs>
3: Oh, Murray's the best. Well, you probably said Crowded House and John, even you would be like, that was oh, exactly court. it.
2: That was yeah. it. Connections like were good.
3: like severe Neil Finn and Crowded House and Tim Finn fan in school dance. But, um, but I think a lot of it is the insecurity. Like comedians need constant validation. We need like to be told you're funny, you're funny, you're funny, you're good enough constantly. That's what laughs are. Like there's some, there's a little something off with every comedian I know where they just like need to be funny. It's just who, it's just in our soul and musicians love the music, like successful ones, even not successful ones. If they're good, they, they're passionate about it. Just like we are about comedy. And it's that feedback, that instant feedback, applause or this, or yeah, you know? So there's that similar type of insecurities where we relate to each other. And we just bond instantly. So I think it starts there. And then it goes to, God, what you do is fun. And God, what you do is fun. And I could never do it. And I could never do it. Mm -hmm. But it's like, sure you could. Because you're really good at what you do. So I'm going to show you the secret backdoor on how to do it. How to do what we do. And then vice versa. And that's what my show is, Punchlines and Backlines. We have, like, the rockers do comedy for the first time. And we have comedians that never perform music. Work on a song, and at the end of the show, we all do a song Love together. It. And it's all Murray's played. Murray played guitar with Patrick Kennison from um, Heaven Below and Lita Ford's yeah. band, mm-hmm. and they did um Hell's Bells together, and it was awesome. I mean, Murray's a little ahead of the curve because he plays guitar, but it was great. It was fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. Insecure. Um, that might
3: have been that, too real, but insecure. <laughs> that, true.
0: That kind of the, is the definition of podcasters as well, right, John?
2: Uh, I don't know about that.
3: Mm, no, you guys just have all these interesting opinions and you're sh- super smart about stuff and your friends are sick of hearing about it and you need to talk to people who want to hear it. That's what I think. Okay, I kind of think so, too. That's I what think my it's... friends would tell me. Mm-hmm. They're like, shut up. We don't want to talk about Mickey Thomas's voice. Like, <laughs> talk to other people. Like, why I... do you keep talking about this guy? I'm like, you don't understand.
2: I think, too, I think it's, you know... It, you're, you're talking eloquently, Courtney, about your create what this is something I think about anyway. That was, that's your creative outlet is comedy. Yeah. Musicians have their creative outlet. I can only speak for myself, but I assume some of us, like Ben, maybe our, cre- this is our creative outlet. And it, it comes yeah. from a, from a seed of maybe a journalist, some journalism desire or bent or wanting to write for Rolling Stone and never, and knowing you'd never have the chance. And so you just yeah. sort of create your own little, Thing And so you have stand-up, we have podcasts, and people have guitar solos, whatever it might be, you know, cooking, acting.
0: Well, I mean, I'm on record of of saying the reason why I did this podcast was because I was having a writing slump. Hmm. And Mm -hmm. I needed needed some kind of outlet, and um, luckily I was able to drag Wayne into this. And so um, I know he's a creative type as well. So hopefully I've given him a outlet as well. Yeah. And my maybe. kids were
1: getting tired of hearing me talk about David Bowie and Elvis Costello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so here here we do, here we broadcast it to everybody. So hey. now
1: yeah. everybody has to hear. Yeah, but they has. want to. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they want to. Well, based on the download numbers of our David Bowie episode with Lisa Lope, not everybody wants to hear it.
2: Hmm. Uh,
0: that's weird. Everybody it is. It is weird. Um anyways. All right, should we uh, should we jump into this? Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk. Crowded House. Usually, I say, "Hey, guest, tell us what record you chose." But this has been in the works for a while with John, and um, then Murray threw your name in the hat, Courtney. So, yeah, we're we're, we're doing this.
2: I was telling. I've told Ben for a couple of years that I wanted to do this album, and as soon as Murray suggested you, Courtney. I thought, w- we have to do this one together. Is this, uh-huh. the, this is one of the things you and I share.
3: Yes. Yeah, we do, for sure.
0: So, so tell me your introduction to Crowded House story. Courtney.
3: Oh, mine? Oh, it's yeah. super simple. I mean, I was just an MTV junkie, a music junkie. Okay. I was really into the monkeys, actually. And I came home from school, turned on MTV, and there was Don't Dream It's Over. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is probably one of the best songs I've ever heard. And then I went out immediately and bought this album on tape. Mm, And then I remember like, when is the next one coming out? When is it coming out? And then I started doing this deep dive before the internet of who is Neil Finn, who is Nick Seymour, you know, who is Paul Hester, who are they? Where, who's Mitchell Froom? Like, where can I find more? And then I stumbled upon Split Ends and went, oh my God, I know these songs. Yep. That's the same dude. Mm-hmm. And then I went a little too far back on Split Ends and went, I'm going to go a little forward again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go too far back. Yes. I'm going to come back this way to the Finn years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and then I just like, since the eighth grade, I've just been super fan. I've been to an obscene amount of shows. And I—I um, uh, I mean, it just the music makes me happy. There's nothing I love more.
2: That's mm-hmm. awesome, John. How about you? Yeah, I've told this story a few times before, so if anyone is sick of it, sorry. The moment <laughs> when it crystallized—I'm I'm like Courtney. I had this. Uh, I liked "Don't Dream It's Over" when it came out. I liked something so strong. I desperately wanted to look like them in that video. They had this—these great, the great hair and the glasses and those guys in the barn play I just wanted to I want to look like them well one day in college it's summertime uh, it's probably August or September I'm in Salt Lake City I'm driving south on I-15 I mean there's a massive traffic jam it's not moving at all my mom for some reason is in the car with me I don't know why I don't remember <laughs> And, uh, it's like a hundred degrees outside and the air conditioning in my car is broken and it only works if the car is going fast. So the faster the car goes, the better the air conditioning works. And because we're stuck in traffic, it's not working at all. And we start taking side roads and, um, I am driving, you may know this guys, or I don't know, I'm driving past, uh, I think it's, what is it? Seventh East or State Street. Fashion Place Mall is on my left. And as I'm driving by, I have my case logic there and I'm about to lose my mind because I'm so sick of sitting in this heat and this traffic because the side roads aren't working either. And, uh, I think, you know what I want more than anything right now is some crowded house. And I look in my case logic and all I have in my case logic is Neil's first solo album, Try Whistling This. And, ah. which is also great and i put that on and i have this realization in this moment that as good as try whistling this is the th- it the thing that would make me feel better than anything else is the first credit house album and that's when it hit me that cra- the first credit house album to me feels like home and uh because and home because i'm stuck in traffic home because it's the most comfortable loving <laughs> A comfortable place for me to be, and it, so in that moment when I thought I can't take this any longer, that was what I needed, and that's what I thought. This must be my favorite album of all time, and I've just—it's been there ever since.
0: I, oh, wow, I, I, yeah. totally get, I totally get the comfort food thing. Yes, a couple couple nights ago, I had to throw on Harvest. That's that's one of my comfort foods. Yeah. I know I know you're not a Neil Young dude, but man, that that uh, that album just hits me. Mm -hmm. um, Wayne, how about you? Crowded house introduction.
1: Yeah. Don't dream it's over. I mean, that summer, the spring and summer that we graduated, I think that was on the radio. It just, it was played all the time. And, and I, I don't know, I was starting to get into, uh, I was starting to fall into some bad musical habits with hair metal. And so, um, I didn't listen to I I I heard that and then the follow-up single which I I liked even better but listening to this this week was uh was revolutionary. I mean I just I I never listened to the whole album and I I uh one of the things that that hit me right off is that I I don't understand why they weren't like all I didn't hear the first single or what was titled the first single yeah. or even the second single mm-hmm. um that's brilliant. I mean, if pop music sounded like that, I would have listened to the radio more often.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember when I bought the tape, and I'm sure it was at Fred Meyer because Wayne, I was working at
1: <laughs> so close to your house,
0: so close to the house, and oh, and the Winchells and the Winchells Donuts. It was right behind <laughs> the Winchells Donuts, which um, that was junior and senior year for for me, because it had to have been either February or March before, before don't dream it's over really kind of exploded because I remember this here, here's the personal stuff, Wayne. I remember driving up to Snoqualmie pass for a scout camp with, do you remember Melinda's ex fiance Huey? So (laughs) yeah, we're
3: up at the falls at the Snoqualmie (laughs) falls
0: close to there that's where it is and that's where the 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 scout klondike derby was every year i was gonna make a romantic joke but no 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 so so huey huey is a a country bumpkin from southern utah and all he listens to is like merle haggard and george Strait. and (laughs) i made him listen to crowded house over and over again on that trip and so much so that once we got home, he was like, "Hey, can you make me a copy?" And I felt like I was uh, the coolest person in the world because I turned changed lives. I turned a country music listener into a Crowded House fan. So, yeah, there we go. There's there's my there's my story on that. So, background info on this: you you guys have already mentioned this was the debut record for them it was released in june of 86 but really did again didn't didn't come into fruition in the u.s until early nine, uh, 1987 um i meant to look to see so produced by mitchell Froom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what what else has mitchell done
3: well he's in the band now he's in a yeah. new crowded house now okay God, what else did Mitchell do? Say he's the one who came up with the hey now, hey now part. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Neil thought it was funny. They're like, the way he's saying it was like, hey now, hey now. And they like made fun of him. But um, it worked.
2: Iconic. Mm -hmm. There's some Bob Dylan. There's some Bonnie Raitt. Uh, He was married to... Yeah, he was married to Suzanne Vega for a little while. And so he did 99.9 Fahrenheit. Um, There's some... Susanna Hoffs, Randy Newman, Tracy Chapman, Marshall Crenshaw. He's another favorite. Wow! Right? Yeah,
3: I love Marshall Crenshaw. Paul McCartney,
2: yeah. Peter Gabriel. Um, I. Uh, it's interesting. His, his and his protege is a guy named Chad Blake, who is also and it's Chad with a T, T C H A D. I don't know why. Incidentally, Marshall Frueman or Mitchell Fruman and I share a birthday, and. Um, Their production style, to me, has always sometimes been often too heavy-handed. In fact, the word that comes to me a lot with them is uh, humid or sweaty, especially on that Suzanne Vega album. It's just a little... It's kind of too claustrophobic and and too much sometimes. Yeah. and Which is interesting because I feel like Mitchell, I keep calling him Marshall Mitchell, has the perfect... Deafness of touch on this album, and I—I uh, I think Neil thinks it's too busy. I think if Neil were to perform these songs in as a whole now, he would strip them way back, which I wish he wouldn't. But for what it was, it is perfect. And every time I hear oh, so, no. at, hear this album, I hear new things. What were you going to say, Courtney?
3: I think mean to me is like pretty much on the nose.
2: You think so? Live. Yeah. Okay, and, good. And I
3: hear it with the band, except for the, what do you know? And then uh, everyone goes, what do you know? And he always goes, not much.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I don't think I've ever seen I him perform at live. I've seen him or Crowded House or the Finn Brothers probably 10 times live, but I don't know if "Mean to Me was ever played. Probably. It's been a while.
3: Um, he likes to encore or open with it.
2: Oh,
0: nice. Those great. bastards never come to Florida, so
3: I've never
0: <laughs> seen him. They know well, better. I played
3: in Miami, but that's a little far south for you. Yeah,
0: I'm not going to Miami. I'll, <laughs> go, I'll go to Miami for Pearl Jam and Bruce. That's that's about it. All mm-hmm. right. Um, so we've already mentioned members of the band. Um, Neil Finn, of course, lead vocals, uh, guitar work. I guess he plays piano on on some of it. That's what I read. Uh,
3: uh, yeah, Mitchell plays a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but so did Eddie. Oh my God, what's Eddie's last name? Rayner. Eddie Rayner mm-hmm. played piano on the tour, or was it on the Woodface tour? Ah,
2: I saw the I Woodface think- tour. That might have been him. Okay, it
3: was.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah,
3: and he played with them on the MTV Awards. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think. No, God darn it! They did something on TV, and Eddie. It's played.
0: okay it's okay but our listeners are not going to know the difference.
3: sorry guys that <laughs> are like Eddie Rayner <laughs> that was an 88 like no one cared <laughs> sorry
0: uh, bass is Nick Seymour who does also does a lot of their uh, cover art mm-hmm. all of it yeah
3: he does all of it all yeah. of it
0: okay and mm-hmm. then Paul Hester of course on drums um, who sadly um, took his own life in 2005 mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I, so so, back when the Wiggles were a thing,
2: we're going to the Wiggles. You know where I'm going. Wow!
3: Paul was on the Wiggles. He was Chef Paul.
0: Paul was Paul the cook. Um, Paul the cook. Yeah. yeah. So I recall, I recall seeing him and going, and I immediately said to my wife, "I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's the dude from Crowded House," (laughs) and I was right. You know, this was before you know Wikipedia was a thing, so. uh fruit salad yeah go check that uh, video out all right um i i did check the rolling stone top 500 albums of all time this is absent from that list hmm. Ridiculous. i i was looking at the the far end of the 500 and was just like please Please tell me why this is not in the 500, but yet some of these others are. For instance, Damage by Black Flag.
2: That's in there. Mm -hmm. It's not better, but I understand why that's on the list.
3: But there's six, seven, eight people Mm -hmm. that make the list. It's not like they took a poll. Right. They did not. Because I've worked on those shows, those top ten shows, and we just go, fuck it. I don't know, number three (laughs) is... Like, I've worked on those. Yes. And yeah. we just go, shit, I don't know. So <laughs> I that's love how it. those things are made. Are,
0: are you going to tell me that the number 497, which is the indestructible beat of Soweto, is, is better than Crowded House?
2: No, if I, I say it's not, that does is. that make me a racist? Or
0: or no, Shakira's Don de Esta La. Okay. Nothing las by Shakira
1: To be on your own. No. No, okay. no
2: Shakira. However, Ben, this was at, at in the early nineties, credit or uh, Rolling Stone did its top one hundred albums of the eighties, and this was on that list. I was gonna ask did my you heart.
0: if it Good. made
2: that. So I don't remember the number. Fifty six maybe or something like that, but I know it was on okay. there.
3: Well, they won Best New Artist at the MTV Awards mm-hmm. after it came out. So that that helped.
0: So it was at the MTV Awards. They did not get nominated for the Grammys nomination mm-hmm. for that, wow. though.
2: I remember two years later, this was probably also in the 90s. Maybe you worked on this, Courtney. The MTV did a sort of like
0: uh, a retrospective.
2: No, 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 what? no, 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 because she's so good at this. I watched this <laughs> retrospective that MTV did of past... Um, Video Music Awards and they d- they did a segment once on the th- times they got it wrong and they showed all the bands that never amounted to anything and Credit House and the Hooters were featured in that segment which has always broken my heart because I love what both those fuck? bands. That I know. Hurts. That hurts. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah.
0: Do you guys want to know who, who was nominated for Best New Artist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for that year... And, and tell me if you uh, tell me who, who you think wins. Breakfast club. They had one I love one. them. They had one, they had one song. Come on. I know. I love them. I had them on the show.: Cutting crew. Had them on the show. I know. I knew you were going <laughs> to drop that. All right. All right. John, how about Terrence Trent Darby? Go ahead. Had him on the show. I Had
2: him on the show.
0: <laughs> that fell off. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, Swing out sister. Dying to have them on the show. Okay, it won't come on. And then Jody Watley. Hmm. Who do you think won? I think I know. TDD. I think it's Jody. Yeah, it was Jody. Yeah. That's With, cool.
2: Which that that's fine. She was huge at that point. I like Jody. It's a little bit of a cheat since she had been in Shalimar for a while before that. But yeah, but whatever. if you're
0: gonna use that criteria, then the this would have been Club. a cheat. With split mm-hmm. ends right,
2: yeah, true, true, true,
0: true. I know yeah. Alanis
1: Morissette one, and she had actually made an album, true, y- years before that as Alanis. I know,
0: true. I know. True. whatever. Yeah.
1: All right, let's
0: jump into this. As a reminder, our scoring is based off of number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this one?
1: Uh, 11,
0: which means top song is going to get 11 points, next favorite, 10 points. On down to our lowest score of one kick this off with Mean to Me. And I'm just gonna throw this over to Wayne to get us started.
1: Oh yeah, great opener. I mean, I think they, they it's got a lot of split ends kind of sensibilities to it. Um, it's guitar driven. I love the story. Um, I love the little double meaning in the in the in the title that's used in the in the chorus, as far as what you mean to me and don't be mean to me. Um, but I love the story. I mean, because and I guess it's. Uh, real this girl from america like writes to the finn's parents and then she goes to new zealand and he's polite and he sits down i mean this is total stalkery i mean but yet he gives her he sits down with her in a hotel bar and i'm sure that's where she tells him about her his her divorced parents and her her suicidal friends and then what's great is i love the lines in the in the the, with the black and white TV, like he's so tired of, he's so bored of listening to her that when she asked what he would rather do, he would rather watch black and white TV in a mental institution <laughs> than have a continue to this conversation. But then he seems slighted when he finds her dancing with Gary McCormick, the New Zealand poet. Uh, <laughs> so I just I like it. Just I can say it rocks. It really gets this thing started, and it, and in between he's able to use you know, all these real facts to build this, to really build this story um, and bring it to life right there in front of you.
0: There we go. All right. Courtney, anything on mean to me?
3: Well, I think what's fun about the song is that, I mean, again, we knew the true story. And then when you find out about it later, most of the women are like, we can do that. We can just show up at his parents' house. Okay. (laughs) Um, But, uh, I think, like I told you before, like the, what do you know? What do you know? Like, that's just like a big part of the show that everybody looks forward to. But I think what's fun about it too, is when they play here and they sing, she came all the way from America, it like lights up the crowd and everyone's spouses that got dragged there is like, okay, what's going to happen with her? She came all the way from America. What did she do? And then it's like, oh my God, she's crazy. (laughs) This is awesome. And, um, it I don't know. Paints us Americans it's
0: just... in such a great light, doesn't it? <laughs>
3: it does. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's just a crowded house, like staple. It's important to play it. I feel like if it's missing, you notice. Yeah. So, yeah. And Definitely that, a
0: favorite. And technically, this was the debut single off the record, but the single was only released in Australia mm-hmm. um, and didn't do a whole lot. Peaked at number 26 down there, but, um, uh, but it's a staple. They've included it on their greatest hits album, so yeah,
2: definitely, so definitely a crowd. We're
3: cover. going in order of the Australian release.
2: Well, I don't know. This is what I—I I think we're going in the order of like my we're, CD. Yeah, yes, this we're is going.
0: We're going in order CD. of CD.
3: Oh wow! Because "World Where You Live" was always the first song. Okay. Yes,
2: I was going to say that. So I still think. And this will come up again later. I still, for even though I've listened to the CD hundreds more times than the cassette that I bought and grew up with, I still think of "World Where You Live" as the opener because that's what it was on the tape.
3: Yeah, I'm still not used to hearing I had me. The
2: me. Oh, really? It was on the record too.
3: Yeah, yeah. Because it's the first song I heard, and I'm mm-hmm. like, what? Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'm still not
0: used to it. I appreciate you bringing that up because I totally forgot to bring that up that we are doing the CD version of track by track
3: all right yeah you know how many people just stopped listening Pro- ben God.
0: <laughs> you know what um i don't care all right um all right let's 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 do scores wayne what you got
1: Ah, uh, this is my favorite song
0: all right john
1: what really
0: wow that's great john what's your score
2: mine is a six I, I like this song a lot, but there's just too many that I like more. There is. Courtney, your score?
3: Mine's nine.
2: Okay. Mm. And this is, this is Cause my eight? Because two
3: of my favorite Crowded House songs are on this album, so they pushed it out to third. It's
0: all good. All right. World Where You Live. Yes, my notes even say here this was the lead track on my cassette. All right, um, second single in Australia, and was the first international released single. Hit number sixty-five on the Billboard Hot 100, so not not really a big hit. All right, um, I'm looking at scores. So, John, tell me why you love this
2: one. I don't know. It's just the one of all of them that's risen to the top over the years. Um, it, uh, I really love the harmonies in the chorus, especially, um, when it goes down in the world where you live and the, the, the harmonies, the background singers that are singing that part. It just gives it this heft, this weight. Another thing about this song that I find so interesting. And, and once I know this, I realize that it's true for a lot of the songs on here. One day, on um, YouTube, I was reading a comment that someone left on there. And it just said, have you noticed that none of the lines in the song rhyme? And I thought, that's that's true. I For a song that you hear on the radio, I mean, and then I realized that Neil doesn't even necessarily fall on that. It's not a crutch because everybody does it, but his a lot of the songs on here don't have a lot of lines that rhyme or choruses that rhyme or anything. Some do, but it's not mandatory for a song. And so, I don't know. It's just over the years, this is the one that's risen to the top as being the one that just hits me probably the hardest. And, and it is a mood thing. It's not every time, but most of the time, this is probably my top pick. All right. How
0: about you, Courtney?
3: It's my number one. Mm-hmm. I gave it the 11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's probably... It's really hard for me to pick a favorite Crowded House song, but it's definitely right there. I mean, it's I love this song. I love the bridge. I could listen to it over and over and over a million times. Just and the bridge? And when they play it live, yes, I love it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I love the way when they play it live, they kind of drag it out. They sing the chorus all these different ways with that beautiful harmony, and they bring it high, they bring it low, and then Neil does this thing where his voice, like, I don't want to say like quivers, but it's like, um, I, I can't explain it. But he does something with it that just sends chills down your spine. It's just so cool. You don't expect it, you don't hear it coming. And then you're like, oh, that's so cool. So, um, and I didn't know there was a video for it until I bought that compilation uh, DVD with all the videos and then i was like what there's a video for world where you live and they're in this little room and it's tipping over and you know nick's got the standing bass, and then i found out later the story of the song was that they were all crammed in that place doing the album and there was a guy on the other side of the wall and they're like what's his deal and like that had a lot to do with what the song is so and i love this song
0: yeah Wayne any uh, last thoughts before we get scores?
1: Uh, Actually, me, it we really already got uh,
0: two scores, so yeah.
1: It it highlights uh Neil Finn as a as a songwriter to me, like the way he he really punctuates how big the difference between this man and this woman is when like she's living in a it's like she's living in another world when she's not around him, not necessarily with this other guy, but he really creates that space you can feel the distance between them, just in those lines.
0: Yeah. All right. Your score. uh Seven. All right. This is my nine.
3: John, what was yours?
0: Eleven. It's my top song.
3: Oh, same too. as me. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah. Spoiler alert. This, this, this is top song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey. All right. Uh, now we're getting somewhere. That's next. Third single in Australia, second U.S. single. I'm pretty sure this is this was the single that I heard hmm. on something. Um, I couldn't find any chart position in the U.S. though, uh, and didn't peak terribly high in Australia, 63, and 33 in New Zealand. Um, it's the only single from this album that is not on the band's greatest hits records. Hmm. Or whatever. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Um, did I did I read correctly? I want to make sure that the interweb is not um, lying to me. Jim Keltner plays drums
1: on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He does. Keltner seems to find his way into every almost every episode. Yeah. yeah. I bet we've talked about Jim Keltner more than anybody. <laughs> Probably <else>. more than <laughs> anyone
0: else. Probably more than anyone else. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So looking at scores, Wayne, I'm throwing this over to you.
1: I always, I just liked, I like that beginning with the acoustic guitar and, it, and, and the accordion effect on a synthesizer. Um, I love his voice, that animated kind of half panic, half hopeful. Um, it wasn't until I read the lyrics where I really, I think a lot of it is personal. Like I've, I've been in that, I've gotten that, that talk where it's, uh, you know, I have, I don't, I have, you know, something's wrong. I haven't been happy for a long time. And you go through this process where you're like, okay, well, you know what? No, it wasn't bad. Everything was, it was okay, but we got, it got a little middle of the road. Nothing was, was great either. Um, and then you got to get hopeful that, you know, now we know something's wrong and we can fix it, but really you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, and I saw, I, I got all of this from the song. I, and also that second verse, which has all this. Rel-
0: Wayne, I'm, I'm sorry. I think you're projecting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's possible too. <laughs> okay. Um, but the, I just throw off my whole rhythm. Why are you fucking enough? <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm but sorry. the the second verse, which seems to not make sense in my narrative, um, a lot of times you're pushed towards religion to try to you know it's it's like a it's like a shaming thing. The the person who wants the the relationship to continue is going to say this is what God wants, and because he uses a lot of, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But but if you kind of just look at the words he uses, Bible three. Um, even Daddy Eternity, there's a lot of religious connotation in that. And I think, I believe that that's the only reason for that.
0: Okay. I love it. All right. Wayne, your score?
1: A 10. I really like this song. All right. Ooh. Mm.
0: John, your score.
2: Um, I'm going with a five. I, uh, I, as I've stated on previous episodes, every song on here. Except for two, maybe. I would at least give like an eight on a scale of one to ten. So as you hear all the time, people making excuses for their scores, it's not that I don't like this song. It's just that there are however many six others that I like better. I The thing that this song always reminds me of or makes me think of is just, it sounds like guys busking on a street corner to me, which uh, gives it kind of a fun energy. And we were talking about the videos. I remember, I remember after... Uh, don't dream it's over and something so strong took off late at night on mtv not on the radio but on mtv you would see videos for this and mean to me or some of the other ones and i remember thinking "Or uh, world where you live and i remember thinking where did these come from and why like is this the follow-up single I'm, i'm confused why i'm seeing a video of this right now and i think what it was was mtv was just saying oh you like these songs well dream was the fourth single so there's three other videos that came before that we'll just put those on sometimes too and see what happens you know and this was one of them
0: yeah all right courtney your score
3: mine's a three hmm. okay all right i hate accordions <laughs> there we
0: go. all right uh this is my six all right next song is don't dream it's over And you already mentioned, John, fourth single off the record, mm-hmm. um, but, of course, was the, the, the biggest their biggest hit, uh, reaching number two on the Billboard Hot 100 in April of 87. Um, let me see if you guys can figure out who, who was in the number one position keeping Crowded House out of the top spot.
2: I just heard this recently, and I can't remember. I
3: so did, too.
0: When you say who it is, I'll know. All right. Let me give you some context. So third was Sign of the Times from Prince. Hmm. Jody Watley was fourth with Looking for a New Love. And Cutting Crew, I Just Died in Your Arms. That was fifth.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Number one, I Knew You Were Waiting for Me. Ah, that's right. That's right.
2: I like that song too, but not better than this one.
0: No, not, not, not
2: better. not better.
3: That's weird. Yeah, What was wrong with people in the early 90s,
2: late 80s? I don't know.
0: You, what the hell? Courtney, you already mentioned the MTV Video Music Awards. This earned the group uh, Best New Artist Award. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this. Until I heard the Head and the Heart version of this song a few years ago, I... Did not know that it was trying to catch the deluge in a paper cup. Really? I really What'd you think it was? Vibe. I don't know. No. I didn't know. I don't yeah. always sing along to songs, so it's, it's not like uh. I needed to mm. have the lyrics completely right. And yeah. then when the head and the heart one, he enunciates that deluge mm. pretty well, so. There we go.
3: No one really uses that word very no, often. No,
1: That's no. what I thought was cool about it. Like he mm-hmm. yeah, no one ever uses that. They say flood can you or, pass
3: the deluge? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: it.
0: Yeah, I really didn't want this to be my top score, but every time I would listen to the CD over the last couple of weeks, um, I just got in that vibe. You already talked about that comfort food, John. Mm-hmm. This this was a this was comfort food, and mm-hmm. um, it always took me to that place in 1987 of driving in the Ford Maverick, Wayne, and having the Crowded House tape blaring. So, anyways, I and that lo, that the, the 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 verse of I'm towing my car, there's a hole in the uh, the roof. I mean, that whole verse is just one of the best it verses is. ever written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I,
1: I can say I love I love that he inserts a little uh social commentary into the sure. middle of this this uh, and I don't know if it's a breakup song cuz it's very back and forth. I think that's one of the things I love about it is, you know, you'll I mean, you'll never reach the end of the road traveling with me. You know, don't dream it's over. It's uh, it's it's got a lot of uh back and forth in it, but uh and like I say, one of the things is I know my score is probably lower than everybody else's and part of that is that this was played all summer long but a bigger part of it is actually that i had not listened to this entire record so the two big singles were really all that i had heard so discovering all of these other songs really uh is really what pushed this one down to as far as as far as it did go
2: all right Mm.
0: john you got my back on this one
2: Yeah, for sure. It's beautiful. I'm a little saddened that it's all most people know. Um, There's just Mm -hmm. so much more. There's so much more to have learned from Crowded House. Um, And it's just sad that this is where most people stop. And even that, I mean, you probably know this too, Courtney. You tell people... Oh, who's your who's your favorite band? Credit House. I don't know them. What do they sing? Don't dream it's over. What's that? I don't know what that is. Hey now, hey, hey now. Hey oh, now, sure, hey sure, now. sure. The song yeah, that says yeah, yeah. Hey Now, Hey Now.
0: Um, none the Richer did that, right?
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> they do a great <laughs> yeah. version, they're sweethearts. They but, do, uh, yeah. The original is best.
3: We call those people like my nerdy friends uh-huh. that we all know each other from going to concerts over the last 25 years. We call people that show up for those songs. We call them the hay nows. <laughs> yes. I love
0: it. I love it.
3: So like, yes. Oh God, here come the hay nows. Here, yes. and, here,
0: and here's how I know when people are cool. So, so I was in college when what, what's the name of the album with chocolate cake on it? Woodface. 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 Fantastic record. Um, my roommates and I learned all the lyrics for chocolate cake because it was one of those songs that you could just sing and project and have a great time with. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, it's funny, again, mm-hmm. I felt, I felt vindicated because I'm like, I, I turned some people into crowded house fans because of this particular song. So good, yeah. Anyways. I, yeah, I just love this song. All right. Courtney, any, any last words before we get scores? The bass. So good.
3: The bass. hmm yep. Listen to it again and just pay attention to Nick. And it's a better song.
0: Yep. Love it. So
3: my what was my score? Um, a seven.
0: Okay. John, what was your score again?
2: <laughs> my score was an eight. Um I want to say one other thing and I am and I'm curious if this matters to anyone maybe just nerds like me and Courtney maybe it doesn't matter at all. Um Tim Pierce <laughs> who is a famous session guitarist yeah. uh played on this record and I never I've never known exactly what he played and I had him on the podcast and I asked him and he said he didn't remember which was probably just Oh a yeah. political a- answer to the question I don't know but he posts these videos on his website that you can subscribe to, of songs that he's played or how guitar he used, tunings, all that kind of stuff. And he did... I haven't seen it, but I saw a highlight of it. He did one of this. And I think he plays that opening iconic riff. And it sort of...
1: Oh.
2: I, It kind of hurts my heart a little bit that that riff, the riff everyone knows, is by Tim... And the organ everyone knows is by Mitchell and neither of them are full-time members of the band because I love them so much that I think of the three guys and there's just a, it's narrow-minded, but there's a part of me that wants to believe that it's those three guys creating all of this noise and all this beautiful music, but it's not, it's a team of people. It's Jim Keltner, it's Tim Pierce, but just to think that that iconic riff was played by somebody, by a session guy, that hurts my feelings a little bit. Only, <laughs> o-
0: only, you would get butthurt. Does it? I'm yeah. the only one. Okay, I, I, I don't know what it
2: is. It, it and I think it's wrong.
0: just because all of the people that you have on your podcast are like, you know, th- th- they're the behind the scenes type of people.
2: There's a lot of those. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. it.
0: I think that's it. You're sticking up for your, for your, for your people that you interview.
2: That's probably true.
0: That's that's sweet.
2: Did I say what this was? An eight. I can't remember. Okay. You did. Wayne, your score?
0: Uh, Six. All right. All right. Let's go to uh, Love You Till the Day I Die. I'm going to throw this over to Wayne. You had the highest score out of all of us.
1: Ah, and I love, this has a very, a, a very strong split ends feel to it also. I love these, these almost maniacal, uh, lyrics, uh, that, and, and the early on with that, the very deliberate drums and this almost calliope like synthesizer, um, it's just, there's all these weird lines like, uh, so forgive me if I lie. I'm talking to myself. You're coming with me. I believe I'm doing, you know, I believe in doing things in reverse, but I, I and I, to me, the real message of this is what is what I'm away Cause when he says, I'm always away, I'm, I'm always with you. I will love you till the day I die. And to me, this is, I may be a weirdo, but I'm your weirdo. Mm. That's what it said to me. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> um, what, what do you guys think about the sequencing of coming out of Don't Dream It's Over to the beginning part of this song?
3: I think it's rude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, too. I do, too. And that, and I think that, that that affected my score on this because I, I think that if this song were somewhere else on the record, um, mm-hmm. it, it might get a better score for me i gave it a three just because i don't i don't really like the sequencing of it mm-hmm. i have very few criticisms of this john so i'm just just throwing that criticism out
2: no i gave it a three two i um i don't have a problem so much with the sequencing uh that's never really bothered me i think that one thing i think you learn about neil is that there's a dark side there that um yeah shows up once in a while. He seems like such a fun, jovial guy and his songs are often so beautiful and positive, but there's times like this or into temptation or there goes God, or there's, there's times when he, uh, he confronts his dark side and he puts it to music and you realize that that dark side of Neils is not as far away as you might think. And this, I think is one of those times um I really like the song. I think it's got a really funny beginning and a funny ending. When I I remember playing this CD in my car with my kids, and at that beginning, when that those yelps, I remember all the kids kind of laughing and what was that, Daddy? You know, they were they were shocked kind of to hear that. But um, it's I love this song, but comparatively, it's a little low for me. Okay, all right,
3: Courtney. I, I gave it a two because, um, oh, whoops. I shouldn't get my score first. No, that's Well, funny. I like, I like the end. I like when it starts with like, you know, frost on the window pane, the sound of pouring rain. Like, I like that part. Yeah. And then I like the end after he says, um, I'm alone, always alone, like the guitar riff mm-hmm. right there. Like, I really like that. Like, those are the parts that, always, mm-hmm. that made me like the song. But I agree. I feel like the placement was off. And, um, you know, it would have been like a good, like, is it the last song on this side one?
2: It is. Yeah, it is.
3: Okay. Well, then, Don't Dream It's Over is misplaced because it's mm. a good ending. Mm. But it, coming after Don't Dream, it's just like weird. Mm. Yeah. It's too intense. It's too like, wake up. It's yeah. like, you know, like you're <laughs> relaxing. Then it's like, no, that. you know? Mm. Yeah
0: totally agree all right this is my three as well uh Wayne your score
1: you know what I like how weird it is and I think that I not that I don't like don't dream it's over but I did I think for it's one time where the music kind of the lyrics and the music kind of match where that doesn't always happen and I was oh. I was glad it got weird again so I gave it a nine All right,
0: <laughs> perfect all right next song something so strong <laughs> And I think this is where we would turn the cassette over, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't this a lead mm-hmm. lead song mm-hmm. on B-side? Um, single peaked at number seven in the U.S. and number three in New Zealand, number 18 in Australia. What? Okay, I need your guys' opinion. This track was released as the fifth single and last single you have the momentum of don't dream it's over. You have the momentum of this song hitting the top ten as well. And then you're like, no, nah, we're good. Like here this is my criticism. There's at least, I think, one or two other singles, or just maybe re-release Mean to Me as a as a <laughs> single. And then and then for the next album, your lead track, your lead single is Better Be Home Soon. What mm-hmm. in the world are they thinking? They blew Anyways. it and they never recouped all the way. They totally, they totally blew it. I feel mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm.
1: all right, all right, there's
3: that's why you don't let executives mm. make this artistic, you know, mm-hmm. decisions
1: totally, mm-hmm. unless totally. they want to change your name from the Mullanes. <laughs> oh, that's
3: yes, <Yeah>, exactly.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: <laughs> that'll work, that'll work. That's all right, true. um. John, what do you got on Something So Strong?
2: Um, it's a it's a really cute song, and it's a perfect single. Once again, going back to Neil's many uh talents, he has a talent to do this. There are songs on other albums, like I would say Only Natural, maybe on Woodface, mm-hmm. or um songs like that that are sort of lightweight, fluffy, but they just sound ready-made singles for the radio. Um so, at the time, I loved this song. And as I mentioned, I loved the video because I desperately wanted to look like those guys did in that video. I thought Neil had great hair. I don't know what he's doing now. He's been shaggy for so long, but I loved it all short and crisp like it was. And uh, so, yeah, I like this song. And in fact, not, I realized I would probably swap my scoring around with Mean to Me, but I'll tell you that in a minute when you take the scores. Okay. And nothing wrong with Fluffy. No, it's not. It's a great, great single. Comparatively to the rest of this, yeah. Comparatively to the to the rest of the heft on this album, it's a little lightweight, but it's still an undeniable single. Yeah. All
0: right, Courtney. Anything on something so strong?
3: Well, in eighth grade, I loved it. I mean, it was this song. You know, it was this one. But like. To those of you listening, I was dancing very 80s Molly Ringwald. But um, <laughs> now it just doesn't hold up. I feel like with the rest of it, it's, you know, it, it is. It's fluff. It's fun. it's But I love what's only natural. But again, it doesn't fit with the rest of the album. It's just like that bubblegum, like happy, upbeat kind of song that they have to throw in. But I, I mean... But I like the melody. I don't know. I just am weird about this song. I mean, I didn't listen to it for years and years and years. Then and out of nowhere, at this intimate show I went to, a Neil Finn show, he just busted out something so strong. And we wow. all got up and danced. Oh, wow. And it, and it was super fun. And it came out of nowhere. So, you know, the eighth grader in me loves this song. Okay. The dunno year old woman in me is like, it's okay.
0: Yeah. All right. What's your score then?
3: Seventy-two. No, um, <laughs> five.
0: All right, I'm matching your five, John. What's your score?
2: I gave it a seven, but I would ra- I should have swapped this and Mean to Me. So I would rather give okay. Mean to Me a seven and this one a six. All right, Wayne.
1: And you know what? There's something simple about it, but he did he does get a couple of great lines. I think the uh, roots that spring so deep bring life to frozen ground is good. And I love the line. A taste of jealousy is like a lust for gold. Mm -hmm. That is brilliant. And uh, that towards the end, when he says frame me and hang me on the wall, there's a line right after that about a trap. So he's got a, a double meaning in that. So it is simple and it is, it is made for radio. And I did prefer this one. Um, even then to don't dream it's over. Um, but I you know once again I'm I'm new to this crowded house thing so I gave it an 8 okay
0: all right next song hole on the river And I have um I have the benefit of seeing scores, John mm-hmm. you give me crap all the time about loving Wilco mm-hmm. you want to know what my notes say prior to me receiving your scores you ready? yeah this is the most Wilco sounding song on the album mm-hmm. now Disacurate. explain yourself john
2: i um I just <laughs>
0: This is totally a Wilco song. No, this I don't is hear why, that at all. I, this is why Jeff Tweedy and Neil Finn are friends, mm-hmm. and maybe, have maybe. and have worked together.
2: Yeah, maybe. I, I you know I um, I I love some of Wilco. I just find most of it boring. Anyway, I just talk when I was mentioning earlier about Mitchell's uh, production style and how sometimes it can be too busy or too overwhelming or too claustrophobic. This. is track, for whatever reason, teeters right on the edge of being fascinating and being too much. And, but it, it's perfection for me in so many ways because there is so much going on in this song. So many sound effects, so many noises that come out of nowhere. Every, this is the song of everything on this album that every time I hear it, I'm, I can hear a new thing. Courtney touched on this earlier. I love listening to an album or a song even and just saying, I'm going to pay attention to the bass. I'm going to pay attention to the drums. I'm going to see what they're doing. If you were to do that for this song, you could listen to it 20, 30 times and just find a new thing that's going on. I love the darkness of it. I feel it very strongly. I uh, I love everything that's going on. I love the, the key changes when it goes into those... You know when it starts rambling up like a barhouse piano or whatever, and the ghouls and goblins googling in the background—it's just—it's <laughs> wonderful.
0: Yeah, I love all of it, um, Courtney. What you got for a score on this one?
3: Um, my score—it's completely unfair because I didn't know how to score some of these. But Hole in the River, I gave a six. But again, for this one, the piano. And the, um, the other thing I love about this, again, it's ominous, it's dark, it's eerie. It's like, um, and I think it's part of it is about, um, is this the one his aunt had committed suicide? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. This is the one. But when you hear Neil sing this with just Neil and a piano, Mm. it's a totally different song. Mm. And it'll just blow your mind. Mm -hmm. It's it's so incredibly. I mean, how many times are you guys going to make me jealous
0: with seeing them live? You guys are.
3: (laughs) I'm sorry. You guys
0: are making me super jealous with all the oh, when they do this live.
3: Oh well, I'll send you. (laughs) I'll send you some bootlegs. I have a lot of them. (laughs) I'll send you some concerts. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. You you just redeemed yourself.
1: All right. um,
0: (laughs) This is my ten. Wayne, your score. Nice.
1: You know what? I felt like the rug got pulled out from under me. And and so I'll admit to not having a lot of uh, familiarity with the record, but um, I just was listening to some of the best like power pop, you know, new wave influenced uh, music. And then all of a sudden they pull the rug from out from under me and go with, you know, an ant suicide. And then it's, it's just, um, I, yeah, it's, it's tragic and it's dark and, and, haunting and i i do i do like it but as it's it just is it just killed my buzz from the ride i was on
0: (laughs) all right uh john did i get your score
2: i don't think so it's a nine okay all right what's what's wayne's score uh four Mm.
0: all right Mm. Next, next song can't carry on Courtney, I'm just going to throw this over to you.
3: Well, we all know it wasn't on the original album, and when right. I bought like the single, I don't remember what it was for, but I just bought everything that was Crowded House, and it was like the album, like what do you call the <laughs> ones that are the same size, thirty-three and a thirds, or what do you call those? Like what are the big ones, yeah. but they're singles.
2: Oh, okay, oh, so I, oh. I don't remember, but I know what you mean.
3: Okay, yeah, so I bought that. And it had Can't Carry On on it. And I became obsessed with it. Mm. And, of course, I always love the song that's not on the album. Um, but uh, I just got super into it. And then when that bridge pops up, it is like, wow, why isn't the whole song like this? It is like one of the best... But that's what Neil's so great at. It's like, he'll sing, like, this weird, scary shit, and then, boom, this crazy, melodic, fun, chills-down-the-spine bridge. And that's just what he does. And this song, I think, has one of the best ones of any Crowded House song, for sure, by far. So, I like it.
0: Gentlemen, do we need to reveal our ones?
1: <laughs> yeah, this was my one.
2: I feel... I. I should clarify, it's a one for me, but it's only a one for me because of the reason Courtney mentioned that it was not on that, on the okay. original album. And so to me, even as I've said before, even though I've listened to the CD hundreds of times, it is still the song that doesn't quite belong because it yeah. wasn't there in the first place. So it doesn't. My, no. So my, and it fit, he, Neil produced this one. Mitchell didn't. So it sounds a little different. And, uh, so it, my one is not because I dislike this song at all, but it still feels like an like an alien. It feels like an outlier compared to everything else, which is more. Uh, it feels tacked on to me, but I it still feels love like a it.
3: split end song.
2: It kind of does. You're right. You're right. But I still like this song a lot.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's it's the one for all those reasons that you just mentioned, John. Mm. Um. All right, Wayne. Any any last comments? I revealed your
1: score. Yeah, I don't. I don't have anything terribly nice to say, so Corny would just get mad at me. <laughs> it's not a generic 80s synth-pop, very blow-monkeys-cutting-crew, you know, scritty-politty kind of a thing. It didn't...
2: Okay, everything you're saying right there is glorious. <laughs> so if you're leading I'm up to saying, a it criticism, I hope you bite your tongue right I'm now. Like, monkeys? Yeah, I'm just I know, saying. monkeys, scritty-politty. Everything you're saying is getting me jazzed right yeah. now.
1: But it doesn't sound... It didn't, it didn't speak... It didn't, say, it didn't seem distinctly Crowded House, I guess, at the end of that. Mm.
3: Listen to See You Around, which was the last Split mm. Ends album when Neil basically took mm. over and it was basically Crowded House. This would fit perfectly on that.
0: True, sure. it would. Now I got to go back and listen to that. Thanks a
2: lot. Mm-hmm. All right. What's that Courtney's happened? score? I don't know if we've got oh, it. Ten. Really?
3: <laughs> wow. I love this song. That's great. I listen to it all the time. I- and Dude.
0: I wasn't sure if it was like a gender thing, because <laughs> if you recall the no. jewel ep- the Jewel episode that we just recorded, um, we had a little bit of a gender difference on one of the songs. So I was- wasn't sure if it was a gender
2: thing. So. Yeah. I don't think so. It's a great song. It just doesn't fit for my purposes. The,
0: the Jewel song, there was definitely a gender. Yeah,
1: it was a gender difference. bias.
0: Yeah. Girls don't like morning sex. This is really what it comes down to. All right. um, All right. I walk away is next. Courtney, you had the highest score on this one as well.
1: What? Uh, well,
3: this was on C around. Yeah, this was
1: a split on song. Okay.
3: This was, and I actually prefer the other version. It's a little more like rocking. It's a little more shake your shoulders. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's faster. That's okay. for sure. This is a little cleaner. I don't know. It's got a great chorus, and um, the lyrics are kind of fun um it's not about death which is kind of nice and uh <laughs> <laughs> like so many songs yeah are
0: i I struggled with my my lower scores because I really do love like any of my three through seven could be inner switched mm-hmm. yeah um I really do dig this song it's I ran out of numbers yeah wayne anything yeah
1: <laughs> And like I say, I love split ends and and this was a song and I, and this, the lyrically, this is about the breakup of the split ends more, or or at least the, the relationship between him and his brother. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. extremely well done. And like I say, I, I prefer this definitely to can't carry on. Um, And I think it's good to put a song on there. I I think it's funny because I did hear that the record company wanted him to use a split end song and there's no there's no shame in showing people where you know where you came from and and capitalizing on some of that notoriety, but I do like the fact that they completely buried it. If that is the case, and the record company said, hey, let's let's do a split end song, they absolutely buried it on the second second side where it doesn't where the where the song whether the, whether you use can't carry on or I walk away, they're neither released as a single. There's no way they they have very little effect on who bought the record.
0: Yeah. Hmm. This was my four, Wayne.
1: A five.
2: John. This was also my four. It's. Um, I feel like even the best of albums have a song that sometimes you forget is on there. Or you have to think, "What? which one was that again? Oh, yeah, that's the one that does. And it, this is that song for me, even though I like it a lot. Again, it's a great song. I have no problems with it. But yeah. it's one of the more forgettable on the album. So I give it a four. Okay.
0: And then Courtney. Eight.
3: All right. Whoa. Nice. Love it.
0: All right. Next song is Tombstone. And I believe, ble- <laughs> yeah, poor death. Ah, and John, I believe I texted Shut you me. and said, Tombstone seems new to me. Because I'm mm, pretty sure yeah. I fast forwarded this song back in the day. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So this was a little new, um, but still not super, not not super memorable. It's, mm. it's nice. I don't mind it, but it's not super memorable. And yeah, I think I'm done with the death conversation at this
2: point. Hmm. Death, I don't feel an overwhelming sense of death when I listen to this. Although now I do when everyone's breaking down the lyrics, of course, but I didn't before. This song to me just feels like a lesser than version of of uh, Hole in the River. They've always kind of yeah. reminded me of each other. And this one feels like it was aspiring to be as interesting and didn't make it. But it's still a great song. I have no problem with Tombstone. It's just, again, it's the least, it's kind of least interesting. It's not very unique to me.
3: Yeah.
0: Courtney, anything? Because you also have the highest score out of all of Mm -hmm. us for this one.
3: Listening, uh, listen to the howling of steel. Mm. A face betraying no emotion. Hate that part. But Mm. I don't know why. It just annoyed me. I'm like, I don't get this. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. It's kind of mixed song, you know. Um, and the but the chorus is a bit catchy, so um, it's okay.
0: Um, did I get scores? This is my two. Wayne, uh, three. John, two. Courtney,
3: four. All
0: right, let's wrap this up. That's what I call love. And I'm just going to throw this over to John because you had the highest score of all of us for this one.
2: I love this song. I love so many things about it. First of all, it should be mentioned that Paul Hester, the late great, co-wrote this song. And what's interesting about that to me is that in some – he was always sort of the clown of the group. Obviously, we know now he was a sad clown because he committed suicide. It it just doesn't feel like it should go – they should go together, but it does. And other songs of his, like Italian Plastic or My Telly's Gone Bung, are cute songs. Italian Plastic can be beautiful, but have a little bit of a sense of humor to them. But this one, I feel, is more straightforward. First of all, it rocks. I love the horns. I love every time it stops and the drums get big. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun. And then it You know, come announces itself, just explodes back in. And uh, the horns, the... Those swirling ghost noises. Whatever's going on sounds like gargoyles or demons in the background. I um, I just think it's great. I don't know where... And this is a, something that comes up in a lot of songs that have dialogue from like an old movie going on in them. This has one of those, and I don't know what it's from. But I always think, who thinks of that? Who's making a song and sits back and thinks, you know what this mo- song needs? There's some uh, odd... Incidental dialogue from a German film from 1937. That's what this song needs. Just playing subtly in the background.
1: That is not true. Like
2: who thinks of that? But they do. I don't know why. But I love this song. I think it rocks. I love the energy. I love that it ends. When it's over, I'm ready to start the whole album all over again.
0: Do you realize everything that you just said you could apply to Wilco's poor places? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, it was the last song. I had to. Th- I had to throw in one more Wilco. If this was a
2: Wilco album, I'd be asleep by now. Well, oh, we'd oh. still. We'd only be on song. I 3 I wouldn't have made it to the last song. That's <laughs> true. true. We'd only be on song three. That's true. All right,
0: um, Courtney. You don't love this song like John loves it.
3: No, I'm kind of done with the album after Tombstone.
0: Is it because they talk about death in this one too?
3: No, but you do take away my air and make my lungs collapse. Um, <laughs> I died but, tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I died tonight. Um, but it's, it's so Paul because his lyrics always are just crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he had so much going on. I believe he was bipolar mm-hmm. and, um, wow. and like part of expressing that was to fuck with people. And I think that that's what he did sometimes with his songs. Mm-hmm. Like, this is massive, is like a completely different song when Neil sings it. It's very poppy and fun. But when Paul sings it, it's like, he's fucking with you. <laughs> like, it's weird. But I kind of feel like that's what this is. And, um, it never really grabbed me. There's nothing in it that really grabs me. So. Okay. I feel like the album's done for me, though. All
0: right. Um, John, your score. This
2: is a ten. This is my second favorite song on the album.
0: Boah! Yeah. Uh, this is my seven, Wayne.
1: Oh, this is my two.
0: Courtney. Mm.
3: It's my one.
0: One. Who knows? All right. Interesting. Not, I love not this. A, it's funny. Not our lowest scored song. That would have been Tombstone prior, and then Can't Carry On. I'm
3: 10. messing up the curve like big time. Knock, knock, <laughs>
0: knock that up.
3: All Throwing right, in um, my uterus into the mix, it's messing it all up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Going down. Uh, under. All right. So, uh, <laughs> did did we cover it? Did we miss anything?
2: I think we did. I just uh, I adore this album. As soon as it's over, I'm ready for it to start all over again. I yep. love it.
0: And that is the make of a good album when you're like, I I want to go listen to that again.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So, and, uh, the fact that I've probably listened to this seven or eight times to get ready for this episode. And I didn't need to, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's the difference. Like I didn't need to do the research. I could have winged this and just did my scores, um, off the cuff, but I wanted to listen to this. hmm. So, all right, top five. I already, I already told you, World Where We Live is our top song. Average score of 9.5. Second, Mean to Me, average score of 8.5. Don't Dream It's Over, average score of 8 is third. Fourth, Hole in the River, uh, mostly John and my doing on that. Uh, average score of 7.25, and then rounding out the top five. Just barely is something so strong. Average score six point two five. Now we're getting somewhere. Just missed out on our top five. That
3: was ahead mm-hmm. of I walk away. Uh, yep. Oh wow.
0: Everybody gave.
2: Oh wait, no, no, no. I walk away. I think the highest I walk away got from any of us was like was a, a four a eight. or a five. Oh really?
0: Courtney gave it the eight, but the rest of oh. us gave it fours and fives. Okay. So sorry. I think everybody had at least one song that they ranked really high that did not make the final <laughs> yeah. five. So that's what's cool. Mm-hmm. And you know what that that I believe is the make also of a good album, not necessarily of a good quote unquote song. So that we're all we, we, we all we all got something different out of this album.
2: I'm glad we finally did this.
0: Yeah, we've been waiting like this. three years. Yeah, it's been two,
1: two two's
0: Been two that we've been trying, um, trying to do this. But you know, we've been busy.
2: I'm so glad we did it together, Courtney. Yeah, yeah It feels me too. so right.
3: Yeah, me too. Thank I'm you so much for having me. I'm so. I saw the email and I'm like, what? We're going to talk about the first Crowded House album. Oh, fun.
0: Absolutely. So, so, Courtney, tell people where they can find all of your happenings.
3: Um, well, you can find me on – I don't really do Twitter. I I just don't care. So, um, you used you can, to. I
2: haven't seen you on there for a while.
3: I know. I just went back. Um, I'm crone and doled now on Twitter. I'm just starting to go back. And Basically, I just retweet all my friends' things. And then um, if you want to see pictures of my dog – And wine and my shows, Um, I'm on Instagram. But find me on Facebook, because that's mostly where the conversations happen. And it's Courtney Dold. But send me a note and say who you are, because I get a lot of, you are a beautiful lady. I want to give you money. And I'm like, what? Oh, this sounds real. So I'm at the age now where I'm starting to get catfished. And it is the most insulting, awful thing ever. So send me a note and be like, hey, you know. You like crowded house. I like crowded house.
2: John, where can they find you? I'm much like uh, Courtney. I'm on Twitter, but I'm more reactive on Twitter than I am proactive. And it's at the Hustle Pod. Um, Facebook, where is, is where most of the action is. You can like the Hustle Podcasts Facebook page, or you can like my. You can send me a friend request. I'll vent it, vet it out too. But that's where it mostly goes down
0: alright let's wrap this up as a reminder you can find all of our old episodes go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com um, I do a lot on Twitter that's probably my preferred method uh, at podcast records for that you can find us on the Facebook page just search for records Podcast. but it's mostly the same content from Twitter um, Wayne he's on the Instagram where can they find
1: us there at Records Revisited Podcast. And I love pictures of dogs and and wine. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. And of course, go find us on all the major platforms. Go subscribe and rate or review us. And um, don't forget to join our Patreon. Get episodes a week early. If you contribute at the guest revisitor level, you can join us on an episode to talk about one of your favorite records. Go to patreon.com slash podcast for all that. And we're starting to do those listener episodes got some good ones coming up ray la for instance um wayne we're finally doing a gaslight anthem i know i'm excited for that all right
3: who are the kids uh, tap dancing
0: that that Sit. would be john
2: oh okay oh you can hear that oh so, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's it, it's it's fine that's why we record in separate channels john oh good okay about. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show. We're, we're getting back out there, provided that you're safe and wearing masks and all of the other soapbox stuff that um, you don't want to hear me talk about. All right, buy a T-shirt of the band. Make sure you um, buy a record. We are Records Revisited, and we are Owls.